All right. Well, it's uh, it's a new show, Jeff. What do you think? Man, I'm feeling good. Our time. It's, so it's it's two twenty four on my clock. It sure is. And this is this is like prime time for the nap. Prime time for the nap. <laughs> yep. Who's oh, I, your nap or? If I was a nap taker, oh yes, I would be taking a nap right now. Uh, why aren't you a nap taker? I'm, I'm sure my. Well, I guess I am. I, I would like to be. I I don't have a couch. Oh man. Long enough in my office. I'm up at the church office today. And so, yeah, I used to have like a little love seat where I would lay down and take a 20 minute power nap. Nice. Okay. But I was going to ask you like how, how, you know, everybody has certain standards on what, mm -hmm. what the length of a nap truly is. Now, if you talk to my wife, if she's listening to this, she's probably laughing her butt off because my naps are not, (laughs) they're not really naps. Okay. They're sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. They're like a half sleep. No. Yeah. The nap has got to be, if you're, it depends on what you're taking the nap for. If you're taking it for... Man, I just want to relax and rest. That's like a Saturday, Sunday. I'm just going to sleep until I wake up or a kid wakes me up or, or something. Right. But during the work week, you know, you take it for I need a I need a little bit of rest. I want to get right back to work. 20 minutes. There's tons of infographics and articles and we can, you know, put it in the show notes or whatever, but all mm-hmm. kinds of like different presidents that took 20, 20 minute naps. I think one guy, he slept with his keys in his hands. So when he, when he dropped his keys, he would wake up and get back to work. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll set my alarm on my iPhone, you know, a little timer, 21 minutes and give me about a minute, just kind of, kind of drift off. I'll put on some nice soothing instrumental music. And when that alarm goes off, pop up, and get right back to it. And I just feel nice and, and rested. And what do you do if you don't fall asleep? Do you still, do you give yourself 21 more minutes? Nah, I just stay there. You just keep going? I just stay there till five and then leave. <laughs> no, no, I just get right up. Go, okay, well, I guess I didn't really need it or that was enough. And I think just the act of just laying there, you know, quietly for a little bit, just kind of decompressing and then getting back up is good. Gotcha. So look at the naps, and that's that's why I like a lot of countries. They now have a, a nap part of their work week for their employees. It makes them more productive. Well, they do it for the kids in uh, you know in like preschool and stuff. Why can't we yeah. do it? Yeah, totally. It works for them. Yeah, so I wish I could do that again. I, ju- I just we just don't have the furniture up here. Since when we moved offices, we don't have it. Like Man. I just I just got chairs in my office like two weeks ago. Could you imagine walking out of your office and you know turning to your left and saying, "Hey, Kevin." And then talking to Carolyn up in front and Richard to the right of you and saying, like, hey, nap time. Yep, nap time, everybody. <laughs> Put on your jammies and, you know. Go out the front door. Everybody takes yeah. a nap. <laughs> it'd be, oh, it'd be, that would it'd be, be wonderful. Church members might wonder what is going on up there, but it'd be great. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, – let's dive into some notes that I took from your sermon. Did, okay. did you get any emails? Did you get any emails from last week? Did I get any emails from last week? No, I did not. Should I have? Well, I mean, we are, we're saying, hey, email us, you know. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like from my sermon, like if I said something really offensive. Well, like getting people were going to email me. Yeah, no, no, no emails from that. I definitely, yeah, that was funny. Not getting stoned, getting yeah, not, thrown not, stones, not uh, stones drugs, thrown at you. Not drug stoned, but yeah. pelted with rocks. That was funny. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to articulate. I didn't, I didn't, I said it in the second. I didn't say it in the first. Articulate in the second service how that God has given us all spiritual gifts and that, you know, people, when there are Christians who go, I don't care what a pastor says or do, 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 do. Like, well, that, that's not biblical. Like God has given men gifts. He's given preachers, like a preachers, they're not born. Pastors aren't born. 
they're they're given supernatural gifts from the Holy Spirit and to serve the church. And so to ignore a pastor that's trying to be biblical and teach you God's word, um, that's that's not just a disobedience to like some man who like is teaching the Bible. That's that's an affront to the Holy Spirit. If what they're teaching is in line with the Spirit and is in line with the testimony of God's word. And so I was trying to say that, that I'm not here as some, like I was trying to make the point that I'm not some like holy man on a mountain that you have to listen to, but I am, Jesus has sent me here just like he has sent Skeet, Skeet Alderson to be the pastor, one of the pastors at Tomahawk Bible Church and Patrick Rowe to be, you know, the guy that preaches one of the pastors at Genesis Church and, and Kevin and Barry too. They're, they're both here by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I was trying to make that point and I accidentally said that I'm, I wanted to say, and I'm gifted like every pastor by the Holy Spirit to, but I said, I'm inspired by the Holy Spirit, which would mean that I'm perfect and like the Bible. So I was like, Oh, that's not what I meant to say. So don't stone me. Uh, I couldn't imagine. Uh, should we keep some stones in our pocket just in case you slip again like that? You know, I wouldn't, um, I'm, I, uh, we're actually talking at lunch today. Like what would happen if someone like ran up at me and tried to attack me or something? Really? Yeah. You have a plan? Well, there's been a there's been at least two instances that I know of before where one guy said he was going to come and pick it one Sunday, but he wussed out. He didn't do it. Um, I told him, hey, man, go ahead. You're, I, I welcome it. That'd be great. And another guy, he he's a little um, – not, he's not stable mentally and emotionally. And he was there sitting in the back. And we were going, oh, no, that guy's here. He, he just might say something crazy. He, he might do something. And so I told a couple guys who are, you know, very strong and guys who I know could hurt someone. I was like, hey, if that guy does something, gets up or he's running, you know, starts yelling or uh, can you take care of that? I'm like, yep, got it. So we, we, we have a few other plans in place, but... If someone did try to bum rush me, I I, I would take him down. <laughs> I can go what, full what bore for. Move? What's your what's well, your starting I, move? I, I don't want to give it all away. Okay, you know? uh, but we're I not, could. We're uh, not CNN here telling the enemy our you know their attack yeah, plan. Yeah, that's yeah, it's true. I, I mean, I I can go full bore for about thirty seconds, and it's over. So if if I don't take care of you in thirty seconds, then you, I'm I'm dead. Oh man, well, we're but, gonna prevent that. Don't worry about that. Yeah, let's. Um, it ain't gonna happen. Let's talk about this analogy. Um, I really love the analogy you used. And I, I like the, the way you open up your sermons um, with some sort of way that we can grasp typical reality that we see every day. Hmm. And then you you gracefully move into the gospel and the way that the gospel plays out. And the way you did it this week was uh, you talked about um, art vandalization, um, Rembrandt's getting destroyed with knife cut. And you yeah. talked about the tearing of this cloth, and you trans uh, you transition that um, against Christians tearing up the church through strife, through yeah. fighting about nothing, disagreements, uh, following certain people like Cephas or Apollos, or uh, different ways it plays out um, there in First Corinthians. Can you yeah. can you talk about where you, I guess maybe you come up with these analogies. What's the process to come up with these analogies? It man, it takes me a while. Like that might be, I find it much easier for me and to sit down with a verse and kind of squeeze it like a sponge and try to find you know what what's the spirit trying to show us with this verse. And so 
usually those introductions, those are the most difficult part. They, they take the longest time. Like I could be done with all the other content in my sermon and I'll sit around maybe for an hour or two and I'm just trying to think of something. And I'll tell Natalie, I'm like, hey, here, here's, here's kind of the theme of my sermon. Here's what I'm thinking. You know, do you, can you remind me of, like, what's a story? That I, I can't think of anything. Um, and then I remember, so for this past week, I remember I read an article recently about a painting that had been destroyed last year. Like someone ran up and the, they just cut it like a big gash down the middle. But I couldn't find that news story. I was like, ah, oh, where is it? Because I knew that one Greek word uh, that we were looking at this past week where Paul says there's divisions, I knew that word meant tear, mm. rip. And so I was like, okay. Oh, what? So immediately in my brain, like, you know, I'm Googling my brain going, what is coming up of, of like rips? I, I thought of, like right now, I just thought of a time as a little boy when I was wearing some wind pants, like some windbreaker pants. You know those? They're like, whoosh, 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 when you would walk. Yeah. I remember being at, uh, what was it? maybe Macy's. I don't know. And I was probably in like fourth grade and I went, I ran and I jumped over one of the poles in the parking lot, like on the way out of the store, Mm -hmm. like just kind of hurtled it. Right. And I heard just my pants ripped like straight down the middle. Um, so I thought of that. Well, that won't really work. That's that's, that won't work. That doesn't work. Um, that'd be funny. It'd be funny, but it doesn't work. And so I'm like racking my brain, all these different kinds of things. And then, ah, oh yeah, these paintings and they're beautiful and they got ripped. And like, that's, it so made me think of the church and in Ephesians two. And he says that we are his workmanship and like, oh, just all those kinds of things came together. And so that, so I don't know, it just, it just kind of happened. And I thought, oh, that may work. And so then I just, you know, type it up, put it in. Let's talk about the other analogy you made there, which was sort of hidden in there, which was, we are his brushstrokes. I think that sort of complemented the analogy perfectly because, you know, no brushstroke is perfect. It's uh, it's not – sometimes it's purposeful. I'm not really sure yeah. how to describe it, but I just – you know, as you're, um, you know, going through your sermon, I was thinking about the beauty of being God's brushstrokes. And this yeah. in this painting has been destroyed by this person who had whatever wrong with them that they wanted to tear up a Rembrandt. Just yeah. it's not right. Um, but I love that analogy as well. Yeah, you and he's kind of in there. And think about brushstrokes too. Like no single brushstroke is greater than any other. No, you know, um, they all play off of each other. They all need each other. And I think it's also like the Starry Night, the most beautiful paintings ever. I don't think that's Rembrandt. I think that is. I mean, I'm not like an art aficionado by by any stretch of the imagination. Me I, either. I, I do like you know there are some paintings that you look at and go, oh man, that's a beautiful painting. Out uh, Van Gogh. Van Gogh did Starry Night. And it's beautiful and it's an iconic. You go, man, that's really cool. Right. Um, so, like, if the colors and all those, none of them are better than the other and they all play off of each other in the contrast. And each brushstroke that is there complements each one and makes it what it is. And so, so it is with the local church. Like, we are what we are because we are the ones that are there. Um, and, and it reminds me of the way that C.S. Lewis, the way he speaks of friendship. He said, like, when he said, there's, imagine there's four friends hanging out together. And one of the friends, Bill, he dies. So he says, now, Joe and Eric, they're not going to get more of Sam because now that Bill's gone, they're actually going to get less of Sam because Bill's gone. Because maybe Bill would bring something out in Sam that the other two guys don't. Um, 
really fascinating concept of friendship and the way that we interact with each other, the way that we bring different things out of each other. And I, I think it's the same way in, in the local church, just like with those brushstrokes. We, the contrast we bring, the different dimensions and colors, and it, it really makes for a more exciting life. When we look at, uh, I guess, 1 Corinthians, uh, what you, pre- you preach through... Um, 10 through 17? 10 through 17, yeah. Um, so it's about fighting. It's about fighting about nothing. It's about division in the church. Yeah. Uh, was there anything in the sermon that was not in the sermon that you wanted to put in the sermon that didn't fit in the sermon that I think that's kind of what this this uh, podcast can, can be about to kind of get the rough takes of that didn't make it into the sermon. Is there anything that you didn't put in? Yeah, there were, there were a couple things that I thought I could tease out more, um, but just for sake of time, I didn't. I I didn't want to go into like different denominations and stuff because like that's usually one question that would come up. Be like, okay, if we're not well, saying question, I got it here in the okay, notes yeah. too. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, like, well, I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos. Well, like we have a whole denomination called Lutheran. Yeah. Um. So what what should we do with that? And I I think I think Luther. I'm not a Luther scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but I I, I don't think he would be a fan of that. Number one, um, he, he wouldn't be. I I don't think he would be. Okay. Um, and you have like guys like Calvin, um, I, cause when Luther, Luther did not set out to start a new branch of the church, he set out to reform. So to bring about internal change in, in the church itself, the Roman Catholic church that was at the time, he wanted to bring reformation within and they actually drove him out. And so his intention wasn't to start this new kind of wing of Christianity, um, in the process of him kind of re- rediscovering and re-recovering the gospel of grace, it, here we are. In Calvin, the same way, um, they they weren't after you know people saying like I'm a Calvinist or or whatever like th- those weren't things that he was that he was after. But it happens. Um, so we have things like Baptist and Lutheran and Methodist, which springs from John Wesley. Um, so you have all these kinds of different, which, so today, how do we, how do we deal with these things? I, I, my guess is that there's probably a lot of people in the United States when they hear the word Lutheran, they're not thinking Martin Luther. Right. Cause they probably don't even know who that is. I will um, say when I was in a Bible study once, we were, we were going through Galatians and we were reading, um, some commentary from Martin Luther and I thought it was MLK, you know, Martin Luther King. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, an aside, that was my early Christian days. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't stone I'm sure, me. I'm sure. That, yeah, no, no worries. And I, I'm sure there's people that are like that still. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. We, oh, okay. Martin Luther and then Martin Luther King. Those are different people. Yes, okay, yeah, gotcha. I didn't get that at first. Yeah. It's, it, they're so separate from each other in, you know, time that I could see how, I mean, a lot of people probably don't know who the German reformer Martin Luther is. Um, and I think an element of that is okay. There's one guy, he has a famous quote. It says, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And sadly, we know the guy's name. Uh, it was like Count Zizendorf or something like that. It would be awesome if it was like unknown. Right. Like unknown. <laughs> you know, the guy who said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten has been remembered. Um, so I think that's, so the battle with like denominations and stuff, I don't think we should go, okay, well, let's get rid of denominations. Let's. What the denominations are doing is they're helping, I think they're helping serve other Christians and other missions that we're after that 
people have different commitments. So obviously people in the Lutheran denomination are believers. No, no, no one who's in like a Baptist or non-denominational who's, who's sane is going to say, Oh, those people, they're not real Christians. But what they are saying is, Hey, we, we have different traditions and ways that we like to operate as a church. And so that's kind of the twofold. There's going to be different traditions that are being practiced and different kind of non-essential theologies that that are going to be practiced. And so I think that's a helpful, I think it's a helpful way to have unity amongst each other. There's a great organization called Together for the Gospel where they are united together for the gospel, but everyone there, like guys in the leadership they're going to do baptism differently. Some are going to do just the believer's baptism, only, only baptize those who have professed faith in Christ. And some will do kind of the sprinkling, the uh, baptizing that they call it, of, of children and infants. Or, um, and so they recognize that, hey, we both disagree on this, but they're not going to fight about it. They're going to be together for the gospel. And they're not viewing each other as superior. And so I think that's the issue in Corinth. When someone's saying, I'm of Paul, they're communicating at the same time. And I'm better than you because I'm of Paul. Like, I'm obviously smarter than you. I'm of right. Paul. Well, I'm of Apollos. Well, you think you're great. I'm of Apollos. And when I say I'm of Apollos, I'm elevating myself above you because you're not of Apollos. Um, and so that's come, that becomes the problem. We, when we begin to find our main identity and joy and being Acts 29 or or being reformed or being a church that does expositional preaching, when that becomes something that is good, these, these are good things. When these become things that we use to alienate and to feel superior over other Christians, we've turned them into bad things. And we've created this negative tribalism that is not helpful to the church. And I think is satanic. And you used the word tribalism there, but you also said theological one-upmanship, which I had, yeah. I'm not sure I heard that one before, but I like that as well. To because you're right, it's you know I'm of uh, of Apollos or I'm of Cephas, and it's it's this one-upmanship, and you even said fighting about nothing like this. You're not you're not talking about the the things that really matter. Yeah, you're we're not talking of, about virgin birth. We're not talking about the deity of Christ. We're not talking about the uh, inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible. We're not talking about his resurrection. We're not talking about uh, Jesus as being the only way. Um, like those are essential, like Trinity. I mean, these are essential. Th- these are massive things. When we start talking about like, okay, should we, like there are some churches, they do closed communion, meaning you only members of the church can do communion. So if you were a guest or a visitor that Sunday, you can't do communion. But you're a Christian, but you can't do communion. So that's just like one practice, church history, that they believe, hey, that's what we want to hold to. And so like it would be insane for a ch- for churches to fight about that. And like we're our church, we, we, we have an open communion. If you're a believer in Christ, you're a part of, of his universal church, you are welcome to take communion with us. Um, and that's what we hold. That's what we believe. And another church in our area may not. And so I'm not going to hold a press conference and saying, here's why this church is wrong. Da, da, da. You know, that, that is, uh, I'm of open communion. I'm of closed communion. Do you ever feel misunderstood? I guess. Oh, um, always. <laughs> right. Um, let me, let me finish though. Cause this is, I think, Oh, okay. I guess the question comes from, 
being misunderstood because someone may have been offended by or knows well another denomination that doesn't quite well represent yours, although they follow the Bible, they you know they serve King Jesus, they do all the things, but their traditions are uniquely different, and mm-hmm. maybe even in some ways sort of just – they're just like – you wouldn't think it's cool to do those things. Not so much cool, but just like you're sort of not so much ashamed, but sort of like I can't quite describe it, I guess. But you're misunderstood by someone and you feel like they immediately put up this wall and they assume who you are in Christ because of their beliefs or understandings of someone else's um, not so much religion, yeah. but their, you know, the division of the religion. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think that's that's definitely possible. Um, and given from a host of factors, I could, I'm, any of us can be misunderstood or misinterpreted or mislabeled because of something we said. Mm. So, and that's why it's, I think it's always helpful to be like, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Like I had someone ask me the other day, um, like, oh, this person, they, they said they're, you know, they don't believe in God, but they're spiritual. Well, I said, well, you should ask them, well, what do you mean by spiritual? And why, why wouldn't you, why would you say that to be spiritual is better than believing in God? So what, what do you mean by that? So you're, you're trying to understand why people are thinking the way they do. Um, so like even in Acts 29, um, there might be a misunderstanding that some people have about us, that what we're about and what, what we're after. Uh, like, I think one of the unique things about Acts 29 is that we have our five essential, f- five doctrinal distinctives that no X-29 guy is going to argue or fight or bicker or is wondering about with any other X-29 guy. And so a good friend of mine, we were just texting last week, Doug Logan, he's planted a church in Camden, New Jersey, and he is he was trained and brought up under uh, Presbyterians, and they do the sprinkling of babies, of infants. Um, and obviously, we, you know, we don't do that. And I don't look at Doug and think, man, that guy's a moron. I'm like, what's wrong with him? Doesn't he understand? Well, I mean, we, we, we both understand the same text and that we are trying to understand them. And so we both just, we have both of us love the Lord and we've come to a disagreement on what these texts mean, but that doesn't make me better than him. That doesn't make me a more faithful Christian than him. He's someone that loves the Lord and he's convinced of that interpretation. I'm someone who loves the Lord and I'm convinced of this interpretation and we can be together on that and be united um, and celebrate the Lord's work and what what they've done and how Jesus is saving people in Camden. So I think it's very easy for us to kind of even look at each other's traditions um, and each other's church practices and then think, oh, pff, they do that because X, Y, Z. And yet we don't even know those people. And like maybe we don't, we don't really know what's going on in the life of their local church. So I, I think it is important for us to all remember, too, that, like, I love the other churches in our area. Like, I love what goes on at Tomball Bible. I love what goes on at Genesis and um, Christbridge and uh, Houston Northwest uh, down here off of 249 and, like, Grant Road area. But I'm not the judge of their churches. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not the one who walks among the lampstands. And so my, my responsibility is Redeemer Church and the saints that are here and I— I have no right or authority or reason to stick my nose in to another lampstand. That's definitely a good response there. Um, I always feel like that. Like I'm not their judge, but I guess the 
where I, you know, I sit in this in this unique area where sometimes someone might I might assume someone knows something about me in the way that I am a Christian because yeah. they look at Catholics and I'm previous previously Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I know that they have had a lot of you know, bad PR, a lot of bad things happen in the past, and they have this sort of label where they're known as good people, but they still don't get Christ. Yeah. Not not so, not so much the Catholics, but the people looking at Catholics thinking, I, I want to be spiritual, or I'm spiritual, but I don't believe in God. Those kind of people who are sort of peering in, yeah. and, they, and they maybe think that anyone who is a Christian represents the Roman Catholic faith. Yeah. And that that's... It's a obviously a touchy subject, but I, that's when you were in your sermon here. I told Heather when we were um, when we were just kind of going over our own personal notes. I was thinking like, okay, denominations. Where does that lie? Because you know, I hear us sometimes say, "Well, we go to a Bible church. What's a Bible church? How is you know a Roman Catholic church not a Bible church or a Methodist church not a Bible church? They read from the Bible, right?" And I started thinking like, okay, are we being like these people in Corinth saying, "I'm from." I follow Paul or I follow a Cephas. Um, and I just yeah. sort of, you know, had this angst like, you know, are we right in saying that? Mm-hmm. I yeah, guess as I, long as we're not boasting, right? Yeah, I, I, think it's po- I think it's possible to be, to say it and not be sinning. Like, yeah, yeah we're like, hey, we're a part of Acts 29. And, and totally love it and be thankful to God for it. And the danger then comes to look at a church that's not Acts 29 and go, but I mean, right. but... Yeah, I mean, come on, they're they're not Acts twenty nine. What's wrong with you? Yeah, like yeah. why why wouldn't you do that? Like, oh, you're not reformed? Are you not missional? Because you're not Acts twenty nine, you must not be missional. I mean, like like that kind of like speaking is just stupidity, mm. and it's childish, um, and it's very myopic, very small view. And I think I think the church across the United States will be healthier. And think about what's happening all around the world. Like, there were more Christians meeting in China and like one province of China, then we're probably meeting in Houston. Hmm. And so like, are we going to stand over them and tell them, Hey, you should be doing church like, like us. Like I, I remember being on the mission field and walking into one church and they, this church was struggling. They were really disorganized and there were some things going on in the church. I was like, Whoa, mama, this is like weird. This is scary stuff. They really got to figure out. But so I just gave a little bit of counsel and encouragement to one of the friends that was there. But I, I, I'm the Westerner. I, I don't have any authority over this church. I'm not an apostle. And I, I've said before, kind of jokingly, I don't think I've ever said it on Sunday or in a podcast or anything, like even while there's so many churches and there's so many issues, and I've joked before, like, man, it would be awesome if we had apostles today, like real apostles, not some whack job claiming to be an apostle, but a real apostle who could go, hey, here's what we need to do. And then I immediately think, that doesn't matter. It it didn't help then. Right. Like, you know, that's why Paul's writing multiple letters to Corinth. They, didn't, they weren't listening. And what's more important than that is that God has given us his Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into the truth. And so now the Holy Spirit, he works among the churches and we follow the Lord Jesus through the Spirit and through the Word to respond to his leader, to, our, to his leadership. It's a touchy subject, too, to to not so much judge, but place any sort of, I guess the only word to describe it would be judgment, but it's not like definitive judgment, but like having a belief on that 
church yeah. service was weird or their yeah, music yeah. was way too loud or yeah i think the way we use the word judgment sometimes yeah. we we immediately like assume like a negative connotation where we get an opinion right an opinion it's, it's, it's okay to have an opinion Be like hey that service was really long it's okay to have an opinion i mean it was bad it's like man that's longer than ours um that's just an opinion and when i think when christians we do better when we realize our opinions are just opinions, they're not inspired, you know, coming down from Mount Sinai truth. Like, yeah, that's my opinion. Okay. Like, I didn't like that song. Okay. Whatever. Like, let's, doesn't matter. Let's talk about uh, Pastor Gia coming from Georgia. Yeah. I know he's coming here this weekend. Uh, can you kind of, I know that there was an announcement about it, but what's what's going to yep. happen when he's here? Yeah. So, so, so Gia comes in about once a year. So he is a one of our mission partners, supporters. In the Republic of Georgia, so not Georgia in the United States, but Republic of Georgia, south of Russia, uh, north of Turkey, um, and he is planting a church, has planted a church among an unreached people group in that country. And so part of our mission, what we want to be a part of, is so 10% of everything that comes into Redeemer goes right back out. And it goes towards unreached people groups, and it goes towards uh, church planting. And so he is among planting churches in an unreached people group. He's serving in a, a refugee camp, and there was a war between uh, – there was a little bit of a war between Russia and Georgia. So there were a bunch of refugees now, just homeless people. And Georgia, the, the Republic of Georgia, built a refugee camp in that city, Frazetti. And so they go there, and they do ministry among these people, evangelizing, preaching the gospel, having kids' camps, and, and teaching people about Christ. And they're seeing a lot of great fruit uh, with that. And so he's coming in. Uh, he comes in every year. Uh, so he's going to speak for about 10 minutes or so, kind of give us an update on what's going on, and we'll pray for him. And there'll be a, a luncheon afterwards for people who want to get to know Gia more and hear what's going on uh, in their ministry and other ways that they can support him. So if Pete, And I know his wife, Nino, she won't be here with him this time, but she makes uh, this really beautiful handmade jewelry. And so he's bringing some over that if anybody would like to buy some and just support him a little bit, uh, that that would be great. Uh, and there'll be more uh, more time afterwards to, to hear from him, kind of what's going on in the Republic of Georgia in different ways. You could get involved. Like if you wanted to go uh, maybe for a week or two in the summer and kind of go see what's going on and maybe join them in an evangelistic uh, trip, they would they would totally welcome that. And so it's it's been great to partner with them and that for our church that we, like I think every local church ought to strive to be a great commissioned church. Like that's what Jesus has called us to, to make disciples of all nations. And so to be Redeemer Church in Tomball, we can't just localize ourselves just to Tomball and, and still be faithful to the Great Commission. Like we have to be a part of making disciples of all nations. And so that's why we connect with guys in the Republic of Georgia and in Thailand. Um, and why we're looking at now supporting another church planter in Bath, England. Like we're, we're about joining with the nations. Uh, this is not just a Tomball thing. Uh, every church ought to be a great commission in Acts 1-8 church to be his witnesses till the ends of the earth. And so we're excited to have him in and kind of sh- just remind everybody that our church is is about more than Tomball, about more than Houston, that it's it's about the vision of Christ, that his glory would would be professed all across this globe. Pastor Gia, wow, what a what a mission though, right? To to be able to go over there uh, from Redeemer, even just for a week or so, just to to go on a, an evangelistic trip with them to to serve some of the people in the refugee camp. That that'd be amazing. Yeah, and we're going to have more uh, opportunities and trips roll out. And uh, and one of our other supporters, Greg Hortman, Greg and Corinne Hortman in Northern Thailand, 
Uh, you, there was a previous episode yeah. with with my uh, interview with him. He's going to be here in March. Okay. And he's going to preach uh, one Sunday and he can tell us more about what's going on in Thailand. And I'm sure he'll offer it up again and say, hey, we have internships. You can come with us for weeks or months and you could teach English. Like, so I've been on two separate trips for about a total of nine weeks. And both times I was there, I taught English in schools. I taught them basic English sentences and phrases and the alphabet. And they really, they want to, you're not teaching like English grammar, like in high school, you're teaching conversational English. And so they want to learn to say, hi, what's up? How are you? And they, they, I mean, they want to learn just these basic phrases (laughs) and how to have a conversation. And then what happens is, and then you're hanging out with these college students and then you're taking them to a place like called the milk bar where they're serving awesome chocolate milk and uh, chocolate toast. And you're sitting down, you're talking, practicing English learning their stories. And I remember sitting wow. one time out with these guys, these Thai students, and I'm sitting with them and it was, there was a full moon, which is crazy to think about. You know, I, I could be in my house looking at the window, seeing the moon or I'm in Thailand and we're, we're on opposite sides of the globe. And we're looking at the, that same rock in the sky, obviously at different times, but we're looking at that same rock, you know? And I remember asking him, I was like, Hey, so the moon, I was like, that's the moon. And they were like, Moon, you know, trying to say it in English, and I said, "Do you ever, do you ever wonder how that got there? Like, who, how did the moon get there?" And they just, as Buddhists, that, that that's not on their radar. They're not thinking about creation. They don't, they don't really care, as their whole goal is to live a good Buddhist life, live by the eightfold, you know, the eight noble path thing, and then slip into nirvana. Like that's their hope. And so I asked him. I said, "Well, the moon was put there by Jesus." that Jesus made the moon and that Jesus Christ made all of this that we see. And they had never even thought about how did this dirt that I'm standing on even get here? That had never crossed their mind. And so being able to share the gospel through the simple means of teaching English, something you already know. So if you speak English and you're listening to this, you are very capable of going to Thailand and evangelizing, especially if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. On the um, on the note of evangelism, you have a seminar coming up, which I'm yep. very excited about on February 16th, uh, 7 yes, sir. p.m. If, I'm, if I remember correctly from the announcement. Yes. I'm pretty excited about that because you've been talking about evangelism uh, the yeah. past two shows now. So, And obviously uh, all last year and recently in the sermons and stuff. So, I mean, this is hot topic for 2015 for us. Yeah, we – that's what I'm praying for, man. More and more, I just, it's such a burden on me. It's, man, being able to be used by God to lead someone to Christ, I think is one of the most amazing privileges in the universe. And I want everyone in our church to experience that at least once in their life. And people will never experience it unless they're going for it, unless they're trying it. I've shared the gospel with lots of people and I get a response every time. It's either you're crazy. I don't think so. Or, Hmm. So you mean, you know, I mean, that's usually it. And that's okay. Like so many conversations where it's deflected. They they think I'm nuts and they don't want anything to do with it. Or some conversations that are very engaging and very, okay. I see what you're saying. I want to hear more about this. And to realize that every opportunity that, that we interact with someone we, there might be a shot to to talk about Christ, like in I, a lot of, in cabs. And when I'm traveling, 
I, I remember sharing a cab in New Orleans. We were helping my sister-in-law move. I flew straight from a class in Louisville, Kentucky, right down to New Orleans. And I, you know, I need to take a cab to her apartment. And my wife and kids are already there. They drove. And so I'm flying in. And I share a cab with this guy. And we get in the cab. I was like, yeah, we can share it. Sure. I'm, I'm going to the French Quarter. He's like, oh, me too. And we're chit-chatting. And he's like, so... And he tells me why he's in New Orleans. He's like, oh, man, we got a bachelor party this weekend. I can't wait to get drunk. I, I can't wait just to have a blast with all my buddies and go crazy. And, you know, I'm sitting there. And so I just said, hey, man, I, 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 you can do that in New Orleans. Like, that, that, if you want to do that, that's one of the cities to come to for sure. And we're chit-chatting more. And, and he goes, so wh- why are you in town? I'm like, oh, help mm. my sister- sister-in-law move and, you know, figure that's something I would do. And then I asked, well, what do you do for a living? How'd you get off? You know, it's like a Friday. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm a sales guy, so I could, you know, take off today. It was no problem. Oh, okay, great. He said, well, what do you do? I was like, oh, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, man, I'm, I shouldn't have said what I was doing. I didn't mean to offend you. I was like, hey, hey, man, you're not, no, you're not, you're not offending me. Like, I, I don't expect everyone to live like me. I mean, that's that's okay. So, you know, we're chit-chatting a little more. And then finally he just goes, you know what? What's going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. He's like, I got some real deep spiritual questions. Like, why, why, why is everything the way it is? And so, man, we're right there in the throes of the gospel, talking about sin, talking about redemption, talking about what Christ has done and who he is. And it was an awesome conversation. I feel like there's always, um, there's, there's a lot of people out there with questions and, uh, it's not so much that there's a lot of people out there with, with no answers, but yeah. they're not always in a situation where they can comfortably say what he said, which is what's going to happen to me. You know, and I think yeah. being, a, being there open at the right moment, cause you know, when you hop in a cab, you could be, introverted right you can pull up your yeah. phone and go to social media or something like that like that's our new boredom thing you know or you could pull out your email or act busy you know just whatever you could do to not have this uncomfortable conversation with him yeah. but instead you know you engaged you could talk, yeah you could talk to another human being yeah and i think there's a lot of beauty in that because there are so many people out there that that are like him that um that are lost and desperately need redemption want it even but yeah. don't know how to receive it. Yeah. I mean, every single one of us that are Christians, we were saved because someone opened their mouth. Mm. Yeah, I can and look so, back to, to my time even. Um, you know, I, I grew up Roman Catholic, a uh, short snapshot of me, but um, you know this, Jeff, that I was, you know, saved by listening to a Matt Chandler podcast while living yeah. in Canada in a broken scenario, um, separated from my wife and, and daughter, um, you know, it was just a really, you know, not my wife, now Heather, I'm previously divorced, but really bad situation. And, and someone spoke to me, good friends of mine spoke to me and said, listen to this podcast. Um, you'll like it. That's all they said. That's all I remember yeah. them saying. Yeah. Um, this, this guy is talking about Ecclesiastes. He's talking about how there's nothing new under the sun. And I was like, that does sound kind of interesting. And before I knew it, the Holy Spirit started just started moving me, started, you know, coming up with new questions and i started to go further and deeper and read further and listen more and before i knew it my heart was being pulled so hard in a direction Mm. i never expected 
because one person, well, two people technically, said you should listen to this. Yeah. I mean, that's... And here I am now. That's all it takes. That's The Lord is so powerful. Amazing. And, and so what my hope for that evangelism seminar is that we can just overcome the, the fears we have and overcome our worry and uh, overcome the false kind of idea that we just don't know enough and that we're going to mess it up or we're going to, you know, we, we got to get over all of that and just offer ourselves humbly and totally to the Lord and just say, Hey, use me. Uh, use me to do to do your will. Use me to evangelize, and so just to offer some really practical, really simple, non cheesy ways of of sharing the hope of Christ with people. I definitely agree. Is there uh, anything else we want to cover in this show? I know we we probably went over maybe fifteen minutes more than we thought we would. So if you're listening this far in, then you, know, you made it. You made you, it. You you win the special prize. We got, a, we got a special prize? No. No? Sure don't. All right. Anything else you want to mention? Maybe uh, what we could do is if you have made it this whole way and you are the special winner of a signed copy of Skip Richter's gardening book. Whoa. Actually, I can't offer that up. I, I, I don't know if that's possible. He so did. I, so I take it back. Skip might be the only one that, l- that listens this far. He might be. <laughs> He's like, hey, I get my own he book. Goes, hey, oh, hey, you, you don't have the authority to offer up a copy of my book. <laughs> uh, no, we sure don't. So, yep, if you listen this far, congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. All right, well, let's close this one out then. Bye, everybody. Yep, see you.